In fact, what you tell me is there's a different thought machine. That's kind of like saying like, oh, this is awesome. Like you did a great job, even though like it's kind of a small impact, it feels fulfilling and right to you. And there are other times where on some objective criteria, in theory, you're having a bigger impact, but it feels like you're kind of a fraud. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So for you to feel like you're a fraud must mean that you believe something about yourself. Say, say goodbye to chat. <laughs> I did. <laughs> this is my first, I've never closed chat for a stream before. That's weird. Yeah. Um, what's weird about it? It feels like I'm not live. <laughs> That's fine. Well, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good. Let, let's just let's just trick your brain into thinking that thousands of people on the internet are not watching this. For sure. Good start. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's okay if I call you Maya. Yeah, for sure. I, I was just saying that this is actually really fun for me because I actually know what to call someone. Mm -hmm. when, yeah, my. I just changed my name on Twitch to Maya. Prior to that, it was Maya Higa, which is my my name. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Higa. What is he? What is? It's Japanese. My my dad's Okinawan. So okay. Cool. It's an Okinawan last name. Um, and so what are we talking about today, Maya? Um, it was difficult for me to come up with come up with that. <laughs> yeah. What? But. Um, I guess general anxiety, my chat said that I should talk about overthinking because I do that a lot. Um, and then I have trouble um, in, I guess like internalizing my success because a lot of, I share a lot of my viewership with my boyfriend who you talked to, uh, Ms. Kiff or Matt. Um, ah, yeah. So how's Ms. Kiff I, doing? He's good. He's good. Um, well, actually, he's playing a game right now that makes him not so good. But <laughs> man, <laughs> but I am such. Good. I think Ms. Kip is fantastic. Man, I like him yeah, so much. I think so too. Um, but yeah, so I, a lot of my growth on Twitch happened uh, after I after I met and started dating him. So sometimes I have trouble um, like owning my success and not thinking that it's just solely attributed to his. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's kind of a long story. I haven't been on Twitch all that long. It's been just over a year. Okay. But, um, so can you tell us the story? Yeah, for sure. I'll try to make it digestible. Um, I started when I was in like February or something like that. Um, and I was, maxing out at like a couple hundred viewers and then one day I brought my hawk out on stream um and a clip of that got put on LSF so clips of me started getting put on LSF live stream fails um blowing up whatever and then Matt found me off of those clips and called me on stream we started talking that way and then several Who's several Matt? months later Ms. Kiff sorry ah um and then several several months later we started dating um, but my channel blew up after talking to Matt and okay. after LSF. Okay. And, yeah. and so you feel like your success on Twitch is, is attributed to, to Ms. Kiff or Matt? Partially. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like big partially. <laughs> How do you feel about that? 
Um, I don't know. So, I mean, sometimes it doesn't bother me or it, it doesn't matter because I still like what I'm doing with the platform and I'm proud of it. Um, but it also makes my achievements when I think about it feel less satisfying, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, like what less fulfilling, I guess. Uh, so you're kind of thinking like if you had done it on your own, it would mean more. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and help me understand what, what you mean by achievements. Um, I do a conservation podcast on my channel every week and I've done Today's a lot Earth of charity. Day. Yeah. Happy Earth Day. Chat. I'm sorry. I didn't say that to you. Um, yeah, it's Earth Day, but I do a conservation podcast every week. And we raise money. I talk to a conservationist, ecologist, biologist, special, whatever, uh, cool. about conservation research and about usually a particular species. And we raise money for uh, an organization of their choosing through the podcast alone. We're at, I think it's 26 episodes. Um, we've raised nearly 30K or around wow. there. And then through my streaming career, it's been well over 50K. I do a lot of charity on my stream. Wow. So, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. And, and how do you feel about doing that? It's the most important thing that I've done in my life is, is the podcast and, um, being like a powerful force in conservation education and being able to teach more people. Cause before I started streaming, I was, I had been working at a zoo for several years doing conservation education. So like bringing animal ambassadors out and teaching kids and um, bringing them to birthday parties and stuff like that. And that's been my thing and my dream forever. Um, so Twitch kind of just gave me a platform to do that on a larger scale. So, yeah. My kids yeah. love that stuff. Yeah. Anytime we <laughs> Most go kids to like, do. like a fair and there's like a dude there with animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was me for yeah. two summers. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is that my older one, they like different animals. So my older one is terrified of all of the animals that my younger one really likes. Well, they can learn from each other. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, you way. would think so, but it doesn't, the younger one is oblivious that, you know, the older one is scared of large animals and snakes uh, and, and crocodiles and alligators. And the younger one <laughs> wants to befriend all of them. And we have yep. to explain to her, because sometimes I'll tell her stories about, you know, friendly alligators. And then we actually mm -hmm. have an alligator in our backyard. Oh. Um, yeah. Shoot. So we that's have to explain scary. to her that you can't actually like go up to the water and pet the alligator. Because it's a, it is, it's a fine line with having people fall in love with animals and, and not having them think that all animals are necessarily their friends. Have you seen Tiger King? I have. Any thoughts about that? Can I ask you about that or should we yeah, talk about your sure. feelings? I, I absolutely despise the entire series. The only reason that I watched it is because I felt the responsive or the obligation to be able to comment on it. <laughs> um, sure. But it's the good thing about the series is that it uh, exposes a lot of the really, really terrible stuff that happens mm. in the exotic animal industry for in the for-profit exotic animal industry um, and the exploitation that that uh, comes with cub petting and uh, animal interactions, especially with big cats. So I think that the best thing that came out of that series is everyone who watched it, I think would now be uncomfortable going to a facility and doing like cub petting, you know? Mm. And that's huge. Cause that's, that's been going on forever. And there are a lot of animals that aren't going to uh, suffer anymore because of the series, but 
it was really frustrating to watch for sure. What was frustrating to watch about it? The animal husbandry in the series, um, the, I mean, the dynamics between the people from, you know, a normal person perspective were pretty wild. Um, just the, the lack of, um, care for the animals and the amount of care for the, for the profit and for the power is frustrating. Yeah. You see that a lot in, in exotics when you have something that people aren't supposed to have, you know, or that most Mm. people don't have. So. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I've just been listening for your overthinking over mm-hmm. the course of this conversation. I haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, uh, well, that, I guess that's good. <laughs> Sorry for wobbling everything. Okay. No, you're fine. Um, uh, overthinking for me at this point in my life is pretty much only about streaming stuff, I think. So help me understand what you mean by overthinking or what your, because we're taking advice from chat nowadays, what your, what your chat feels about your overthinking. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, a while ago I set a, uh, a goal incentive for a sponsored stream. Well, this has happened a couple times. Um, yeah, no. So I sent a goal incentive to add an emote. And I don't know if you're familiar with like haha emotes, but like it's a so an emote like of my face that is like cringing and you're supposed to use it when something or someone says something that's not funny. Okay. But that kind of emote lends to toxicity in chat cuz it's like you're telling someone that they're not funny. And I said that I would add that emote as a goal incentive for a certain amount of downloads. I think this is right. I think that's why I did that on a sponsored stream. Um, and what is a download? It was I mean, for like, like I, I know what I, a download is, but chat, I'm I, I may I be getting this confused. I'm that's pretty okay. sure it was an incentive for something. I think okay. it was for raid shadow legends and like the sponsor is they want you to get a certain amount of downloads for this free game. Got it. Um, and so you keep track of how many of your viewers have downloaded it. And I, I think that that's what I did. I may be getting okay, confused. But, sure. Um, it was an incentive for sure. And I got, I freaked out after doing it because I was like, wait, are people, like, do people think that I'm just like a sellout or that I'm, um, that I don't care about like enabling toxicity? Um, or are people starting to think that like I'm not a good person? Uh, because of that emote and I freaked out and then I deleted the emote and then chat freaked out and they got really mad because they're like you scammed us so then I added it back sure um, yeah that was an example I guess that's an example of overthinking I think yeah I think I was overthinking when um, I like snowballed I guess from mm-hmm. Um, so that feels to me, sorry, when I, when I snowballed from like, I added this emote to, oh shoot, like people think that I'm a bad person. Okay. So emote enabling toxicity. Uh Uh-huh. I'm a bad person. Oh no. Um, so the first thing is let's, let's kind of understand what's happening in your mind there. Oh, it looks like she I can hear you. Okay. Sorry. Um, so let's try to understand what's happening in your mind there first. So okay. you say overthinking. 
What I'm going to toss back at you is that there may be a particular... So I want you to envision your mind as having different centers of what I... Let's call them thought producers. So you'll have like some part of your mind, let's talk about the internalizing growth for a second, right? So you have one part of your mind that produces thoughts like, yeah, you know, like at the end of the day, sure, Miskiff gave you a bump, but people wouldn't watch your stream if they didn't like your content, mm-hmm. right? So like, sure, you got exposure through Miskiff, but I don't think that, I mean, just based on my understanding of Twitch, it, you know, our channel got huge bumps from a lot of different places. Um, and at the top of the list is probably our stream with Recful. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm I'm grateful for that, and I think that that's like a big part of our growth. And at the same time, I still there's a part of me that says that like sure we got like a, a gigantic bump from that. Um, I mean, we went from probably like 150 to like 10,000 in in terms of like before and you know during the rectal stream and things like that. And so certainly there's there there are bumps that happen but one of the things that i've come to understand about twitch is that generally speaking you know sure you can get a bump because of a particular interaction but people usually watch the streams that they enjoy right like i don't think anyone watches stream i mean maybe people do but i generally speaking like i know when i watch a twitch stream i watch a twitch stream because i enjoy watching a twitch stream i don't do it you know like and i find certain streamers in certain ways um, but once I find a streamer, if I like a streamer, I watch their stream. Mm-hmm. So let's say that there's a part of you that sort of understands that and that produces thoughts, right? Like that says that, okay, Maya, you've actually accomplished a lot and, and you're, you know, a good person and you're doing a lot for the world and you're expanding your conservation work and so be it. Then there's another part of your mind that produces other kinds of thoughts, right? And this is the kind of, with a part of your mind that says, oh, like maybe you're an imposter, like you wouldn't be what you are without him and this and that like do you see how like those two thoughts it's not like each of these thoughts is independent you have like two like thought producing machines they're like bubble machines you ever you guys have bubble- I have kids so bubble machines are very common um and and so you know they just kind of like these things and some days like one thought machine is like more active than another thought machine does that make sense yep like you wake up on one day and you're like oh i'm a fucking imposter today and yep. on another day it's like oh like i you know i'm I'm like trying to make the world a better place and that's awesome. So the first thing is when you talk about overthinking, I don't know that it's, it's so much that you're thinking too much. It's, I get the sense that on some days you think from the wrong place. I would agree with that. Sure. Right. So let's try to understand how that is because then maybe we can get a control over overthinking. We don't, I, I don't think that thinking too much is a problem. Like if you're thinking about, you know, conservation work or how to make the most of your presence on Twitch or things like that. We definitely want you to think as many thoughts as you can on that. Right. So the first thing is I have an issue with the word overthinking because I think it's a little bit of a misdiagnosis of, you know, not acknowledging. It's not like your thinking is too high or too low. It's like there are different kinds of thinking and one source of your thinking is kind of problematic. So let's start by understanding Um, where that thought machine comes from and what it looks like. So when you started, when you had the idea for the emote, can you walk me through like how you decided to do that emote as kind of the, the prize for a particular goal? Mm -hmm. It had been created and I rejected it immediately uh, when it was created because I didn't want it. Um, Why didn't you want it? Well, one, because it's a picture of my face that I don't particularly like. 
Uh, <laughs> and okay, so when you to... say a picture of your face that you don't particularly like, help me understand that. It's so just what me if... making like a, a weird expression. And so... it's kind of weird to have face emotes in chat. What, what, when you see a picture of your face with a weird expression, how does that make you feel? Embarrassed, I guess. Okay. What are you embarrassed by? That people are going to see it and think that I look weird. Okay. So people think that I look weird. What do you mean by weird? I'm not sure. Okay. Um. <laughs> Have you felt like you look weird in the past? Not particularly. Okay. Do you remember being concerned about your appearance when you were growing up? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Can uh, you tell me I about mean, that? I don't think more so than uh, an average young girl <laughs> absolutely but, uh yeah and like middle school i was super awkward um short but weirdly lanky i uh, had a unibrow stringy hair all that um i started worrying more about my appearance at the beginning of high school uh when i started learning how to use makeup i guess is where it started um and other girls started like to me getting prettier um, and I felt like I was behind the curve. So, yeah. What, but, did, what, do you remember what kind of thoughts you had? Um, I thought that makeup made them look really different in a good way. And I thought that makeup either didn't make me look different enough or I wasn't good enough at doing it, or it made me look different in a bad way. So I was like, mm -hmm. why can't I do makeup to make me look better? Like they can, mm -hmm. um, why did you need to look better? To catch up, I think. Behind the curve is fucking devastating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, just to kind of tie things together, behind the curve is a thought machine. Okay. What do you think about that? Sounds toxic. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense at all? Like, because it's kind of a vague statement I'm making. I'm like, yeah. You know, does, no, it does totally help me understand what you help me understand what you understand when I say behind the curve is a thought machine. Uh, that if that that thinking can lend itself to a lot, like a variety of situations. Absolutely. Um, for me, like academically socially uh physically sure right so so let's just think about this for a second so do you feel like you're behind the curve on twitch a little bit um not in terms of like my viewership or my rate of growth but there's a lot that i don't understand about twitch just because i haven't been around as long as other people Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Twitch history that I don't know. Um, a lot of intricacies of streaming that I don't understand just because I haven't had enough experience. Yeah, so that doesn't sound to me like that's a behind-the-curve thought. That sounds mm -hmm. to me like someone who recognizes that, that they've been doing this for about a year and they have a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you're behind the curve. That just means you're one year into the curve. Does that make sense? 
Right. Yep. Yeah. Do you see the difference there? Yeah. Like, do you feel bad when you say, I have a lot to learn about Twitch? No. Okay. So now let's talk about internalizing growth for a second. Do you feel like Mizkif is sort of the makeup that makes you look better than you truly are? Is that sometimes how you feel about it? I'm having a hard time, uh, like putting those things together. Okay. Um, so maybe they're not connected. Let me put it another, another way. I'm noticing something that you have a sense of your worth that sometimes is low mm -hmm. and that you have an idea that you can do certain things to artificially elevate your sense of worth. Mm -hmm. So let's say makeup is one example. Right? Now, we're not saying that you're different from most people. I mean, most people are like this, okay? That's how we can talk about this because these are patterns that exist with, like, basically everyone I've ever talked to. Um, and, and so I'm kind of thinking if we take this idea that, like, Maya's not good enough and then unless she can, like, do something external that makes her good enough or makes her appear to be good enough, I think makeup falls into that. And I'm wondering whether Ms. Gift's bump on your stream also sort of qualifies under that framework of, oh, you couldn't make it yourself, but he's basically the thing that elevates you beyond where you normally belong. And so the success is not yours. Yeah. I don't know if it's so closely tied to Ms. Kiff as it is like the bump in viewership and sure. like general like numbers that Fine. I have on Twitch now. Like the numbers make me look like I'm a better streamer than I am. Ah, make sense. me look like a better streamer. Beautiful. That's exactly what I'm talking about, right? Where do you get the idea of what your true, like that implies that there's like a false streamer quality and a true streamer quality, right? Like, oh, my numbers are better than what I deserve. Yeah. So where do you get the idea of like what your gold standard is? How do you determine what you deserve? How do you determine what's right? Because it's inflated. Yeah. So where do you get the idea of like, what's true North? Maybe it's because I haven't, um, been on Twitch that long or because my, my like life purpose or my life goal for years has been, um, to be a force in conservation. And before when I was working at the zoo, I was completely and fully satisfied doing a presentation for like 30 people, a class of 30 people, or like a crowd of max a hundred people, you know, I was like, that's huge. And I would go home and feel really good about it and think like, I just inspired this many people today. And that's a big deal for me. Um, I think it's unfathomable to imagine a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people watching me and me having the same effect on that many people. Um, so I maybe feel like there's something not wrong, but like there's no way that I can influence this many people just because I'm like good at what I'm doing or like because I'm a good streamer. Like there must be something that they're missing or that like I'm like they're like being tricked into thinking I'm some expert that I'm not or that I like 
deserve this like platform that I don't, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, sort of. Okay. So I'd like to ask you a few questions about that, if that's okay. Sure. So the first thing is I'm hearing a common theme of like, you deserve something and you get more than you deserve. Yeah. Right. So let me, so I think the, the main question is like, where do you get the idea of what you deserve? Right. So I think that's a thought machine. This idea that like, I don't deserve this or I'm not good enough or I wouldn't be somewhere because like you don't have intrinsic value in who you are. Mm-hmm. And and that's not like a, it's not an all the time thing. And I think it's beautiful that you gave the, obs- uh, the, the example of when you give a conservation lecture for 30 people, because at that time, the thought machine of I don't deserve this, or I'm not a good person, or I'm not good enough is not producing thoughts. Right. In fact, what you tell me is there's a different thought machine. That's kind of like saying like, oh, this is awesome. Like you did a great job, even though like it's kind of a small impact, it feels fulfilling and right to you. Mm-hmm. And there are other times where on some objective criteria, in theory, you're having a bigger impact, but it feels like you're kind of a fraud. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So for you to feel like you're a fraud must mean that you believe something about yourself. So like if I pretend to be a doctor, if I, if I think I'm not a real doctor, if I feel like I'm a fraud doctor, even if I'm performing the duties of a doctor, I have to have a belief that I'm not a real doctor that comes from somewhere, mm-hmm. right? So what I'm really curious about, and I think if we really want to try to help you, Maya, it's to help you understand like where you get the idea that you're a fraud. Mm-hmm. We have to find out where that thought machine came from. Do you have any idea? I think that that's actually something that I've had for a long time, or like the idea of like I'm the the fraud thing, even before before streaming. Yep. Um, I I grew up in a super super competitive school district. Um, now we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned academics had, like, early earlier and behind the curve. Yeah. Uh, we had like. We, I mean, we easily have one of the highest suicide rates in the country, like, um, not just at my high school, but a bunch of high schools in the area. And I've always said, I still say now, even though I shouldn't, that, um, and I've said it on stream before too, that I come across as more intelligent than I am because I've been taught in school to like be articulate or like I have been taught to like come across as being intelligent but i'm not so maya i want you to i'm going to repeat back your statement okay Okay. (laughs) i come across as more intelligent than i am help Mm -hmm. me understand what you see in that statement what do you mean what i see like what like help like so in it i i guess it's kind of a read my mind question so in that statement, I see once again, the presumption that you are one thing and that you're a fraud. Do you mm-hmm. see that? Like in that statement, we see the same thing. I'm not, I'm smarter than I appear to be. I'm not as good looking as I appear with makeup. I'm not as successful of a streamer as I would be unless I got the bumps from LSF or this or that. Like it's right. sort of this idea of intrinsic value and the way that the world perceives you and the world perceives you like you're over here, but you feel yeah. like you're over here. 
that's and absolutely true. that started way before you started streaming on Twitch. Twitch is just one manifestation mm-hmm. that activates that thought machine. Do you see like this is like a core part of you that frequently, whether it's academics, whether it's social stuff, you feel behind the curve. You feel like you're not that other people think you're something that you're not. Yes. And can I ask you some questions? I mean, I know, I, I mean, I learned this lesson the hard way where sometimes I would ask people personal questions about where they grew up or where they are. And, <laughs> sure. you know, you don't do that on Twitch. No, and that's, that's just because, you know, I usually see people in the privacy of my office where no one is watching so they can give me details about, you know, what street they grew up on. But <laughs> do you mind okay. if I ask a couple of questions? Because you mentioned that we have the highest suicide rate. I thought that was a weird thing, and I'm really curious about that. Can yeah, I ask you some sure. questions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my, my first move on Twitch was leaking my full name, so I'm not that worried. But I'll, okay. I'll let you know if I don't want to answer something. So can you tell me where you grew up? Yeah, Silicon Valley. Okay. California. And, um... <laughs> okay. Uh, I just laughed. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, and, and tell me a little bit about what growing up was like for you. Now, that explains so much. Okay. Oh, does it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I work with a fair number of people who are in Silicon Valley and also have children of parents who are in Silicon Valley. So The okay. rat race, yeah. Uh, growing up, I, I grew up on a small farm, um, so I've always been around animals. I was hmm. the only one out of four. Uh, I have three other siblings that was really into animals. Um, my sister and I are super close in age. We're 18 months apart. Um, she's far And how more... old are you, Maya? I'm 21. Okay. Um, she's far more academically inclined than I am. Um, she went to an IV. She uh, played soccer all through high school. I also played soccer in high school. And Who's older? She is. Okay. She's older by 18 months. And I played a bunch of sports. I rode horses. I've been riding horses all my life. And I'm a senior at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, but not in school right now because of the virus. So. Okay. What are you studying? Agriculture. Agricultural communications is my major. Hmm. That sounds cool. Can you tell me a little bit about that? The idea of the major is to crank out people that can work in the ag industry that are capable of communicating messages to um, consumers better. So marketers, journalists, uh, environmental lawyers, stuff like that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that she went to an Ivy. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. How do you feel about that? There are mixed feelings for sure. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> proud. She got recruited for D one soccer as well. My sister's always been like a like a better than you. In a lot of ways, sure. Yeah. Um. But I was super proud that she went to an Ivy. She didn't end up being all that happy there, but um, it was cool to to know that she got like when she got in, it was like a really big deal. Um, and that she was going for engineering. She's always wanted to do engineering. So, yeah, it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it also was a little bit nerve-wracking because her going to an IV kind of set the precedent that I would also. Um, or I felt that way. 
My where dad wanted your, me to go to Cornell, but where are your other two um, siblings in terms of your age, y'all's age? So she's 23, 22, 23, you're twenty one. Where where are they? Uh, one of my brothers, they're half brothers, so they're much older. Um, oh, interesting. They're thirty three and twenty nine. And so you said it set the bar for you. Mm-hmm. And and how did you feel when that bar was set? Do you remember? Well, I think I knew that it wasn't... My, like, whole life, it was kind of like... Because she's, I mean, she's 18 months older. So everything that she did, like, I was next for, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, going to high school, then making this soccer team. She was, like, always setting a bar... This mm-hmm. is so depressing. She was always setting a bar that I knew, like, I couldn't hit. <laughs> sure. So, um... Would you say that that's when you started to feel behind the curve? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. I think that fits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... So how did it feel when she got into an Ivy? Because you said mixed feelings. Like, obviously you're proud. You love your sister. Mm-hmm. You respect her a lot. You want her to be happy. But, and... Um, kind of like a, oh shit, <laughs> feeling. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What's, what's I, in that? I'm going to ask you to dig a little bit and if, if we can't get anywhere, I'll, I'll offer you some hypotheses about what oh shit means. Yeah. That I, I've never really been interested in attending an Ivy. Uh, I, wanted to go somewhere where I knew there was like a lot of outdoorsy stuff and where people were super relaxed and I my, I mean my university's been perfect for that but um I didn't want to do like a hardcore academics thing because I, I just like haven't I've never been into it so it was kind of like a oh shit um is this gonna make me feel worse about not doing something as challenging as she's choosing to do I think and did it make you feel worse? Than if she didn't attend an Ivy? No, no, no. I mean, so so when so so you kind of said, "Is this going to make me feel okay?" So let me take a step back for a second. So this is what I'm envisioning. You have an idea of who you are. Mm-hmm. You actually do have an idea of who who you are, right? So we see real Maya, mm-hmm. which is Maya who knows she wants to like not be an engineer. And mm-hmm. go to a school where she can be outdoors and be involved in the ag industry or animals or things like that. Conservationist right. Maya, Maya who works summers and educates kids about animals and teaches them about conservation. Maya mm-hmm. who raises money for charity on Twitch of all places. Right. Um, this is real Maya. Mm-hmm. That Maya is one thought machine, right? It makes you happy with what you accomplish, even if what you accomplish is quote unquote small. And then there's also behind the curve, Maya. Sure. And what I'm hearing in Oh Shit is like a conflict between real Maya and behind the curve, Maya. So then you start to think like, oh, like maybe I'm making a mistake. Like maybe I should do what she does. Is this good enough? Am I capable? You said that you're not interested in doing what she does, but I would hypothesize that you felt on some level that you're not capable. And if and you chose that's to absolutely play, true, yeah, right. I, I don't. I don't think that I am. And and so, 
how do you feel about not being capable? How does that make I... you feel? Um, I mean, I recognize that I'm capable of a lot of things that my sister's not, uh, in being a communicator, in public speaking, in, you know, like, other... Some... Being internet famous. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, the feeling in high school, like, all, all, all my friends, I didn't have a single friend that didn't attend college, and the vast majority of them went to better, better or like more difficult to get in colleges than I did. Everyone had a higher SAT, ACT score than I did. Um, and it always felt like I was like, try well, I mean, we've already talked about this, that I was just like trying to like fake that I was as smart as they were. Um, so in thinking that I'm not capable of going to an Ivy or being an engineer or whatever, it's just kind of like, it feels like me like exposing myself, like saying like, yeah, like you're, you're at least being honest with yourself that you're not. Like yeah. That. I mean, so, so <laughs> when you say exposing, so being honest with yourself sounds like a good thing. Exposing yourself sounds right. like a not good thing. Yeah. Right. And, and so what I, what I'm hearing is that like the gig is up, like you've been revealed to be a fraud because you ended up at some school that's not an Ivy. And now the, like, you know, the cat's out of the bag. Maya's actually kind of dumb. Mm -hmm. Is that how you feel? I think that fits. Mm. Okay. What is it like to hear me say that? Does it hurt? Uh, I mean, my first reaction was not really, but maybe a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So let's think about that. Like, that's weird, right? Like, so I think yeah. if we think about, um, you know, your emote. Mm-hmm. This would have been a this would have been a prime time to spam the emote in in this channel because I just right. said something to you that seems like it should be really hurtful, right? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, literally the sentence that I the phrase that I used or close to it was like the cat's out of the bag. Oh, Maya's dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> right. And yeah. isn't that what you're afraid of people saying? I feel like people already know, but that doesn't make sense, or that doesn't add up. Um, <laughs> You're damn right it doesn't. Let's think about that. <laughs> right? So what what's weird? Because like even though you feel like people already know, you don't want them to say. Right? You want to try to hide what you're afraid they already know. Yeah. So why is what happens? Why doesn't it hurt when I bring it out into the open? I can't logically think of a reason for that because it makes okay. no sense. Yep. Um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Great answer. No, that's an excellent okay. answer, Maya. Um, because it's fucking confusing. <laughs> Let me think about how to explain this. So when people find out that you're a fraud... Mm -hmm. What do you envision? How do they react? Um, I don't know how to articulate it. Yeah, because I don't think it's actually like a vision, right? So like, what are the yeah. feelings? Like what, like, 
help me understand that. Like, what are you afraid of them? How do they make you feel or how do you feel once they know? Let's start there. Uh, that I've, that I have some sort of like malicious intent to like trick people or that I've been lying or that I'm like not genuine. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think what you're afraid of in terms of a negative reaction is that, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not just them finding out, it's the judgment that they place upon you after they find out. Yes. It's the way that they perceive you. So now let me ask you a question. Is it the fraud that hurts or the judgment that hurts? The judgment. Absolutely. I think. Right? So just think about that for a second, right? Because like if someone, you know, if, if, and so I think the reason that, I mean, maybe this does hurt you and you're not telling me or tricking me, um, <laughs> but you know, I think the reason that you can hear those words from me is because I, from me is because I actually don't judge you negatively at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying the words without the judgment. We're talking mm-hmm. about you being a fraud. I see that you think you're a fraud and I don't believe you're a fraud at all. So I think because you're an empathic person, when you look at me, I don't, I don't judge you for that. In fact, I think that, yeah, this is going to sound weird. How can I say this? It's very clear to me that you're not a fraud. The only thing that is like wrong about you is that you think you're a fraud. Like, you know who you are, and I think you're amazing. And the only issue is that, like, sometimes you think you should be something that you're not. And not all the time, but there are two thought machines. One thought machine is, like, the genuine Maya who does, like, real stuff. And I think that person is awesome. I think the only problem that I have is that sometimes there's a part of your mind that tells you you should be someone else. And that's the part of you that makes you feel dumb. I don't think you're dumb. First of all, I don't know how many like actual score reports you saw for SAT scores or ACT scores, but there's a decent chance that not everyone did as well as they, they said they did. Right. There's also a decent chance that I doubt that you actually had the lowest SAT score because statistically that's very, very unlikely. I think that's probably a cognitive bias on your part in the yeah. same way that you had a cognitive bias that, oh, like makeup makes other people look better, but it makes me look how. Right. Yeah. Right. So some, something about this, how are you feeling right now, by the way? Fine. Okay. Something about this, I think, comes back to this core idea of like, you're someone who's behind the curve. You're not as good as everyone else. And if it's, a, does that make sense about, actually, before I go there, does that make sense why those words may not hurt you? Because I, I don't, I say those words, yeah. but I don't have any judgment. In fact, I have a positive judgment with it, which is probably why it's confusing for you. And you're picking up my positive judgment and you're hearing my negative words and that doesn't fit. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about like growing up? Uh, sure. What, what, what do you want to know? What was it like growing up in your house? Pretty, pretty good. Um, I've always, me and my sister have always been super close. We did everything together when we were little. Mm-hmm. My brothers, cause they're older. I mean, I grew up with them, but they left for college when I was like on the younger side so yeah sure um, it's a little different um my parents both silicon valley work full-time so we were we were pretty much raised by um babysitters mostly one babysitter and then um 
she <laughs> she just like didn't pick us up one day so then uh random teenage babysitters throughout uh elementary school some of middle school and um what's it like being raised by babysitters fine i don't i don't feel like i ever really had a problem with it um mm -hmm. i didn't realize until like high school that it was weird that they like we only called one of them mom but i didn't realize until high school that that was like strange or like abnormal <laughs> um okay i'm gonna repeat back what i heard we only <laughs> yeah. called one of them mom yes yes i yeah i hear it but i didn't realize growing up that that was abnormal sure um what kind of work did your parents do uh tech okay um and do you remember what your so it sounds like you were raised by babysitters mm -hmm. do you understand what happened when one of them didn't pick you up like you said she... one of them yeah so she was she was there i mean she was there the day my sister was born so she was absolutely there the day i was born um and then she was with us until i was in third grade or something okay second or third grade every day um and then she just uh she just didn't pick us up from school one day and i guess she had some sort of nervous breakdown um but i've i mean i've well i did talk to her about it once because some, at some point in high school, she reached out to my sister and, like, wanted to meet up with us, which was weird. And then she told us that she had a nervous breakdown. But uh, I'm not really sure what the what the reason was. Hmm. What did she, she say? She lost her that? husband at some point in there, so that was probably the reason. <laughs> okay. Or a big part of it. Okay. I'm just going to think for a second. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. How's this going so far, by the way? Good. <laughs> okay. It's fine. You feel like you're learning anything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you learning? I, uh, I don't usually think about the, uh, I don't usually go that far back when I think about, um, uh, anxiety or insecurity sure. or whatever so yeah it's interesting so I've, do you I've been in i've been in therapy for i've been seeing a therapist for just over two years and i've i did for EMDR for like almost a whole year and i did neurofeedback for a few months so we've we've talked about it in there yeah it's been a lot i, I was i was in why therapy, are you doing like, emdr um I had I had like deep rooted insecurities in my uh, former relationship that I wanted to figure out. Um, so we did EMDR and focused a lot actually on that babysitter <laughs> uh, and about like abandonment issues and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and then neurofeedback <laughs> was for a separate trauma that I was hoping to. Um, I was hoping for memory recovery because I lost most of it. But that's, yeah. That's what? I haven't talked about it on stream, so I, I okay. don't want to. Know. You can steer clear of it. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. So I guess some things are starting to fit together a little bit more for me. Um, so help me understand a little bit about what your relationship with your parents was like. My parents are great. My dad doesn't talk a lot, um, and he's not very affectionate, but he's a uh, first generation. Um, or he, he moved here when he was 17. Um, and he's always just been really, really quiet. And then my mom is super loving and she loves animals and, uh, yeah. So my mom and I, well, you... we got along with and we butt heads in high school a lot, but that's cause I was a teenage girl, but it's a lot like her. I've Completely learned. normal. Yeah. And what, um, when you say that your dad wasn't very affectionate, do you remember feeling like you wanted him to be more affectionate? No, not he was when me and my sister were little, and then when we got older, wasn't. But I never thought of it as being anything but normal. It sounds like you feel pretty strong, like your parents love you. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like they're great. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, can you, and, and once again, anything that you don't want to talk about, just let me know what we're steering clear of. Can you tell me sure. what you mean by abandonment issues? Yeah. I was, so the reason that I started going to therapy was because I was really insecure in my last relationship. Like I always thought that he was going to leave or whatever. So I went in to figure out why that was happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had a hard time figuring it out in talk therapy. Then my psychologist recommended EMDR because she thought that it was something deeper. I went to EMDR we did a bunch of sessions and I don't remember what the session was, but we had some breakthrough session where I like started talking about that babysitter and how like, like any, uh, when a, a parent figure or something leaves, hmm. how like the kid feels like it's their fault, you know, or the kid feels like they're not good enough or whatever. What's so, your understanding of that? How does that work? Do you know? Um, like a, a kid not understanding and thinking that it's their yeah. fault that that person left. Mm -hmm. um, which I know logically isn't the case. <laughs> but um, what do you mean logically isn't the case? What, what do you mean by that? Like I, I don't, I don't think that she left because she didn't like me <laughs> oh right <laughs> or of because course. or because it yeah. was my fault um but yeah my my kid brain you know like my mm -hmm. my therapist would say is still thinks that that's that's a thing so uh that tendency of thinking that someone's gonna leave because of me or someone's just gonna ditch me after i think that my relationship with them is super secure was leaking into my my current relationship at the time and does that, does that, did that make sense to you? Did, did you find that to be the case? Like, was that hypothesis kind of very helpful and applicable? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and after that session, it got a little bit better, but it, it remained pretty, pretty, um, debilitating <laughs> throughout that relationship. And so. uh, once again, if you don't feel comfortable asking, answering this just let me know. But I was gonna. I was just curious. Is that still pretty active for you in your relationship with Miskit? It's not. 
which is really bizarre. <laughs> and I talked to my therapist about that a decent amount now. I, I took like, I had a little over, I had about a year of being single and doing there. At that point I had stopped the EMDR and the neurofeedback, but, um, it used to be like debilitating, like fear. And I would be sad and whatever, uh, about him talking to other girls and, and that kind of thing. And I'm not sure if that, like there's, I mean, there's jealousy that comes up, you know, but I don't think that it's abnormal. Sure. Uh, for be between me and Matt. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because of the work that I've done or because something's changed for me or if it's because of differences in Matt compared to my ex-boyfriend, but it's pretty weird. Would you surprising. like me to try to explain what my understanding of that is? Sure, yeah. So let's start with your kid brain. Okay. So early on when children are young, they lack something called theory of mind. And theory of mind is the capacity to like put yourself in other people's minds and like understand that they have thoughts and feelings and intentions. Okay. So the, the simplest thing, the re simplest reason why abandonment of a parent parental figure leads to a sense of you are like unlovable or there's something wrong with you is because a child literally does not understand that there are other agents in the world who can do things. They're the only thing that exists because they don't understand that there are other like thinking, breathing beings out there. And so anything that happens to them is their fault because they're the only, they're all powerful in the universe, in their mind, because they just don't understand that other people exist. And this changes drastically, especially in your teenage years. So that you start to develop theory of mind, you know, around like maybe, I mean, you develop it relatively early, but it becomes really, really big when you become, when you go through puberty. And in puberty, the reason that like high school is so hard and middle school is so hard is because this is literally when your brain develops the capacity to understand that other people have like lasting opinions of you. And that like, if I do something, this person is going to think this about me, that capacity, like if you talk to a seven-year-old, they don't understand that. Right. Right. They don't understand that. Like if you go to someone's house and you break their thing, that that person is not going to like you. Like mm -hmm. all they understand is that they're not supposed to do it and they don't understand why they're like, it's dumb. Like I should be able to do whatever the fuck I want. Right. right? And yeah. when you become a teenager, you start to realize, oh, like theory of mind is actually a thing and people think things about me. And that's really terrifying because now you have to like balance all of these hundreds of people that you know and what they think about you. Mm -hmm. So as for why your current relationship, and I'm not surprised at all that it's better. And that's because I think you figured out the thought machine. So you discovered through EMDR, you figured out, oh, there's a thought machine that, that gives that sources my thoughts of insecurity. Mm -hmm. And once you discover the source of the thought machine, you can start the process of turning it off. Mm -hmm. And so I would like, literally, if I were to record your thoughts from your last relationship and this relationship, I think one of them just had way more thoughts coming from that thought machine. And they just don't come from this thought machine because you just kind of turned it off. And I know it sounds kind of simple, but like, honestly, it kind of is. And so the interesting thing here is that I think that you have another thought machine, which is behind the curve yeah. and somewhere along the way. And I'm not sure if it's your parents, like everyone wants to say it's your parents, like all of us therapists and psychiatrists and stuff like, we're like, oh, it's your parents. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe there was something around like your dad not being quite affectionate enough, or maybe your parents compared you. Did your parents compare you a lot with your sister? Yeah, but not uh, like explicitly. Like they, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't say it. Or maybe they didn't. Then maybe I just think that they did. But um, no, I mean so interesting right like how you're analyzing what you said so let's not judge what you said so what how did you feel growing up uh my dad more so than my mom but yeah i I think that they that they compared us a lot and how did you notice that um i guess i'm just like expecting me to do well like my sister in elementary school there were like normal classes and advanced math classes um, I think that because my sister was always in the advanced ones, they expected me to be in those classes as well. Uh, my sister making varsity soccer freshman year, just like expected me to do the same. Um, yeah, I guess that like sister set precedent, expecting me to reach that precedent. And, and what was it like to not reach that precedent? I mean, the interesting thing I, is I, I'm almost interpreting what you said is that you weren't in advanced math classes and you didn't end up in varsity soccer. Is that true? Those are both true. Yeah. Yeah. How does it feel um, to hear me say that explicitly? Well, it's, I mean, it's factual. <laughs> so, sure. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me too much, but um, I don't know. Maybe at first, maybe it bothered me. Actually, yes. Okay. It did bother me at first. The first, like big example that I have is this advanced math stuff. And I would like on my own study, I actually recently, I did this YouTube video where I went through like old schoolwork and old pictures and stuff. And I found a letter that I wrote to a teacher. It's not in the video. (laughs) I found a letter that I wrote to a teacher about like really wanting to be in advanced math, which is like not a thing that, I mean, it's not like you submit a letter to be in advanced math. I like wrote a letter to my teacher for the following year saying like, can I please be in this class? Which, and this was in like third or fourth grade or something. Um, Yeah, and I was never in it. So um, at first I think it was, it made me feel bad. And then later on in high school, like when I didn't get into varsity soccer at that point, it was just like a norm. So I think it probably became easier to, to deal with. Okay, hold on a second. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, my friend, I, I think I think by the time you hit high school, it became chronic, mm. right? right? So now yeah. what we're dealing with is something that's chronic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like your sense of being behind the curve, like now, in a sense, when you say it's become easier to deal with, not really you've become better at dealing with something that at that point became fact yeah so that's bad okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) so like do you understand what i mean by that i don't really understand why it's a bad thing yeah i understand that you don't understand that so like what (laughs) what i'm saying is that like you think that this is just the way that you are Right. So like, I think that that's bad because I don't think you're that way. Okay. So I think you, so I think, so let's just, let's think through this. Okay. Um, and is it okay that we're being a little bit more analytical instead of emotional? Yeah, totally. Okay. I don't mind. 
Um, were you hoping to come in here and, and have like a cathartic, like, oh, like, oh. No. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm going to try to, because I, I think you're, you've done a lot of that kind of stuff. I don't know why I believed that, but now it sort of makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so I want you to just think, so first let's think about the third grader who writes a letter to their math teacher to be in advanced mm-hmm. math. Yeah. Let's talk about her. Like, what do you think a third grader how do you think that third grader feels? Well, it definitely wasn't because I liked math and I wanted to challenge myself. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I have third always graders, math. <laughs> third graders don't want to challenge themselves in any way. Sure, yeah. Uh, I've always hated math. Um, it When I was reading the letter, it felt like a really sad, like, desperate attempt to find another way to get in because I knew that I wouldn't get in because of my test score. Yep. Um, so it is sad and desperate. <laughs> what does that person feel yeah. about themselves? Uh, I probably just that they're not smart enough. Yeah. Um, right. They're not good enough. Right. Yeah. And that they have to put on makeup mm-hmm. <laughs> to fool people. They have to yeah. do something that is outside the norm of what normally, like normal people, normal kids get into math class by being smart. By, yeah. And testing. normal people are pretty and they can put on makeup. And I'm sorry if I'm bludgeoning you with this. No, but no I, you're I think fine. it's related. But like, you know, normal people can put on makeup and look better, but like mm-hmm. I'm fundamentally different. And so I have to go the extra mile to catch up and be normal. Yeah. Right? You start behind people. Is that how you feel about yourself? Yep. So can you see how, like, that's what the third grader feels about themselves, right? So, like, you kind of said, this runs deep. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. And then let's think about... So let's just pause and think about that for a second. What do you think about that third grader's beliefs? Do you think that those are accurate? I mean, I I wish that I could say no, but my my answer is like yeah because I, I i know that according to the i mean if we're talking about the math class like i know that even if i or i don't know i mean i could have but even if i were to like study harder or like really make an effort to um to test to get in that class that i i don't think i would have so yeah i mean i think i was accurate in thinking that i needed to do more to try to get in I, I'm glad you're saying that because this is, so this is where we get into a really, really tricky trap, mm-hmm. which is that we want to be positive, right? Mm-hmm. What we should say is that, yeah, third grader, you can do it. Yeah. And yeah. Like you're not actually dumb. <laughs> you don't actually have to work as hard, but like the, the truth is that like, maybe, I mean, I don't think you're dumb. I mean, that was kind of an inflammatory statement, but no, I, I, I don't, I, I think it's good that you can recognize that you're not your sister. The big difference is that third year old, three, third grader you placed a value judgment on not being your sister. Yeah. You assumed that your sister was like objectively better than what you are. You assumed that being in advanced class, uh, advanced math is objectively better than not being in advanced math. Yes. What I would like to help you do, Maya, is to let go of that second part, the judgment. Because I think you're accurate, right? Like, if you're not good at math and you're not going to go, like, if you're not going to study engineering at an Ivy League university, like, you shouldn't study, like, fuck that. Right. 
you know, be the person that you want to be. I think the tricky thing is that somewhere along the way you started judging yourself for being who you are and you tried to be someone else. And then what happened is when high school came along, you sort of got so good at that, that it stopped being painful. Mm -hmm. You just sort of accepted it. You're smiling. Yeah, no, it's just true. (laughs) What's true about it? Tell me what, what are you thinking? Uh, it's just what you're saying is accurate. I was just, yeah, I was resonating with it. How so? That, uh, um, that, like, that I had, like, tried to be something else, and then by the time I got to high school, it was, uh, it was, I had just gotten used to doing that. Yeah, right? So at that point, like, the problem is that at that point it becomes fact and it becomes baked in. It's like baked, like you can't take it out anymore. Like once you bake a cake, you know, everything's in there. Right. And and now I think the problem is that we see that part of you, right? Like we see the third grader who's not good enough for advanced class, uh, math, who in your teenage years needed makeup to look normal. And, in, and And now we still see it with your Twitch stream where like, oh, I couldn't have done this on my own because I'm not good enough like Miskiff is. Like I'm, I'm less good. And I need these, mm-hmm. I need letters to math teachers in order to be like the others. Mm-hmm. And it's just become true for you. What do you think yep. about that? I think that it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that it makes sense. I, I'm not sure what that means for, for me or uh-huh. like my identity or uh, what I should do about it, but I think sure. it's... So yeah. let's answer that question because that's okay. the important thing, right? So the first is, cool. oddly enough, I don't want you to make that untrue. It's not my place to tell you it isn't true. What I'd like for you to be able to do and what I'd like to help you do is free yourself of the judgment that comes with that. Okay. Do you play games? <laughs> no, not really. Okay. I mean, I like I've I've played some, but all of my of analogies things. go out the window. <laughs> yeah, I so won't. You you, with... I won't understand if you if you make a reference. So, so you work with animals, right? I do. You have a hawk. I do. Uh, right what now, I have of... a falcon. I, what I kind of falcon? A... She's an American kestrel. Okay, so a kestrel is a pretty small bird, right? Smallest falcon in North America. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, let's think about that for a second. Okay. Um, so like a kestrel is, like a kestrel isn't as big. Mm-hmm. And like, does that mean that it's worse? Well, it depends what you want to do. But generally speaking, no. <laughs> right. So, so like, I want you to think about that, right? So like the problem is not that factually you aren't as smart as other people. The problem is that you don't think about it depends on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Like it's that part of the thought process that's missing. You just look at size. You don't look at like adaptability and, and it, sometimes you do. But does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that that's been ingrained in me and all of my peers since we were in preschool for that matter. Um, that like... What you should do is do really well in school, be really good at math, be an engineer or a comp sci, um, and go to a really good school. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
but no one ever no one ever said like you should uh like you should learn how to train animals and you should try to go into the ag industry and you should like if you like doing outdoor stuff like you should get really into it you know and and like nurture that passion no nobody talks about that so yeah and what do you think about that uh if i liked math a lot and wanted to be an engineer and went to a school for that i probably wouldn't feel a lot of the things that i feel <laughs> yeah now. so I, I i think actually uh my i think you were just truly remarkable and the reason is because like you said all of those kids were do you know why your kid your high school has a high suicide rate Probably because not all of them like math and engineering or want yes. to be that person. And what do they do when they don't like math or engineering? Like, kill themselves? I mean, not all of them, but <laughs> yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. And why do they kill themselves? Because they don't like math and engineering. Like, what do they end up majoring in college? Uh, well, most of them didn't. The ones that, I mean... Kill themselves, obviously. Right. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Um, you know, like those uh, kids, they, like, you know, the ones that didn't kill themselves, the ones that are just depressed. Yeah. So like, I mean, I know up... a lot of people, I know a lot of people that, that went to school, like my, my best friend went to school for business. Um, and she was super, super unhappy and she changed her major to art and design <laughs> and now she's really happy, but she went through quite a crisis, uh, in deciding to change her major. And I think there are probably a lot of my peers from high school that have pursued business or comp sci or engineering uh, and are unhappy, but feel like they're doing what's right. Yep. And I think that the kids that couldn't take that or the kids that were depressed in high school or the ones that did take their lives probably just thought that like they, they knew that they wouldn't be happy doing what we were supposed to do. Um, and you get where I'm going <laughs> with it, so. No, I, I'm sorry. Or not. Um, they knew they wouldn't be happy doing what they were supposed to do, so. Uh, they, I mean, they just, they took their lives because they knew that they wouldn't be happy because they yeah. wanted to do other things. <laughs> so why do I think you're remarkable? Because I didn't in high school. You didn't what? Commit suicide. Not only that. <laughs> I mean, and now I'm curious about whether you were suicidal, but what I think makes you remarkable is that you chose to be what you are. Mm -hmm. Right? That you had... Like, that you chose to, like, be the person that you shouldn't be. That's what I think makes you amazing. Like, so I, th I think, you know, you're in a world of, I forget, you know, what kind of, like what, a red-tailed hawk is pretty big? Yeah. So like, you know, you're in a world of where everyone's saying that a red-tailed hawk is what you should be and you're a kestrel. <laughs> and I think the people that killed themselves were kestrels that pretended to be red-tailed hawks and then realized that they couldn't take down the kind of prey that red-tailed hawks go for. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. 
What are you feeling right now? Um, I feel bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, uh, talk about or reflect on, uh, the kids from my high school, like, ever. Uh, but it's, it's not something that I ever put thought into. The most thought that I've ever put into it was that, like, it was just, like, too much pressure, you know? And yeah. I've, like, a lot of the language in, like, high school and stuff when we talk about it was that, like, they, like, couldn't take it you know or like they like couldn't handle the pressure um that kind of thing so so i think that you're very similar to those kids in high school what do you think about that yeah i mean i wasn't i was never depressed or suicidal in high school i was sure. um in college like uh a year and a half or I'm wondering, something like that. Maya, do you think that those kids in high school felt the way that you felt in the third grade when you wrote that letter? Yeah, I bet, um, I bet a lot of them felt like frauds or like they weren't supposed to, like they weren't like everyone else or like they were just faking it while everyone else was actually smart. Yeah. I think that's why it hurts, right? Because like, when you think about it, you recognize that like, you know what they felt like. Like you don't know what you know, mm -hmm. but you feel, I, I mean, to be honest, I was a little bit surprised to see your reaction there. But I, I think just that you got emotional kind of when we were sort of- Oh, me too. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, never, I've never cried about that. Yeah. So yeah, I was and, surprised by that as well. And, I mean, so I was going to ask you, why do you think you did? But I, I think the reason that you did is because you know what it's like to be them. You know what it's like to feel those feelings. You know what it's like to be eight years old and like start to think that you're not good enough. And between mm -hmm. the ages of eight and 15, every year that goes by to think more and more that, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. And maybe I'm not good enough. And then what happens in high school? Then it's not a maybe. Right? Then it's like, I'm not good enough and I'm not going to make it. Yep. And then they hold on to hope and they hold on to hope that maybe they're wrong, maybe they're wrong, maybe they're wrong, but their mind tells them, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not going to get into an Ivy. You're not as good at math. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not a red tailed hawk. Right. And they can't, what I think really I'm very impressed by and, and what I think really makes you an amazing person has nothing to do with your skills at math or even your not necessarily your conservation work. It's that you let yourself be a Kestrel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what saved you. And I think that like the world is made a better place by people acknowledging that they're not by being who they are. Right. Like that's what makes your conservation work impactful because you actually like give a shit about it. Like imagine an alternate universe where in Silicon Valley, everyone went into conservation work and you were the one kid that liked mathematics, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It's just like being who you are. And what I'd love it if you could do is just recognize that, you know, when you feel 
So now I'll try to tie things up for you, okay? And then you can ask questions or we can meditate or whatever. We can talk further. But um, I'd like to... I'd love it if I could help you walk away from this conversation with something kind of concrete that hopefully you can sort of like implement in some way. And that concrete thing is recognize that you have this thought machine of Maya is not good enough. And that same thought machine is what drove people to kill themselves in high school. And that same thought machine is what drove you as a third grader to write a letter to your math teacher to like want to be in advanced math class. Yep. And just think about the desperation and sadness, right? Like that's where suicide comes from. It comes from a combination of sadness and desperation. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Uh, I'm sorry. I think my stream just... I can hear you now. Okay. I was saying that that I was getting myself going. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's not your fault. Just a Discord fucks me that way. Um, no, it's so, not yours. It's my internet, I think. So I was just thinking that... You know, when I think about suicide, I think about, if you want to understand suicide, it's sadness and desperation. It's those two things, right? That's mm -hmm. what leads to suicide. And that you understood, like, third grade you, like, understood what that was like. And now what I want you to recognize is that third grade you lives with you today. Yep. That all throughout it, it started, and, like, there's a part of you that just believes, and then, like, you, you thankfully were able to find yourself, quote-unquote. Right, you found Miss Gif and you found Twitch and you found us and we embraced mm -hmm. you and we love you for who you are. And you absolutely deserve the success that you have because I don't think, I mean, you can't fake it on Twitch. You just can't. Like Twitch is actually really, really good at like picking up things. They're, they're kind of visceral and primitive, but they're like very instinctual, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so, so the next time... Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It sounds like one of my children has hurt, hurt herself. Oh. Um, okay, let me try to wrap. So uh, I was just going to say, so I, I, I want you to notice that when you start to feel not good about yourself or you notice those thoughts or you start to think like, now we're going to go back to the emote, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking that if you use this emote, you're a bad person and this and this and this. And recognize, like, try to see, like, what of those thoughts is coming from the thought machine of third year, third grader Maya. Mm -hmm. And even if it's coming from those that you don't have to, like, follow those. Like, even though you're not as smart as other people, it doesn't, like, who the fuck, this is my point, it's like, there's no, I want you to let go of your judgment of not being as smart as other people. Right? Like, if you're not as good of a streamer as Ms. Gif or other people, like, so be it. Like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Right? You're not a red-tailed hawk. You're a kestrel. Fine. So, like, be the kestrel. And as best as you can, recognize that that part of you is, like, there. And that's going to be, like, bubbling up thoughts. But you have this other thought machine in which you're not behind the curve. That thought machine doesn't care about whether you're behind the curve or not. It doesn't care about whether you convince 30 people or 1,000 people or 3,000 people. You just mm -hmm. care about convincing people. And you just care about pushing forward yeah. and the more that you can listen to that part of yourself i think the less power this internalizing your success and insecurity and anxiety and overthinking will have over you mm -hmm. cool Th thoughts okay. questions uh 
I don't think so. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, I like the I like the bird analogy a lot because <laughs> I've had I've had a red tail and a kestrel, so I I have the like utmost respect for both of them. Um, and that does make sense to me. So that's cool. I'll I'll hold on to that one. But I don't think I have any questions. Okay, great. Any last, uh, I mean, thoughts, or we, or we can say goodbye. Either one. Not that you no. have, to have to say something. I just. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, this was a really cool conversation. Thank you. You're doing really, really cool stuff on Twitch. I mean, you, you know that. Thank I'm you. Sure. But um, yeah, a lot of people have been, have been like, touched or like affected by by watching your stream. So it's it's cool that you're doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. I try to touch and fondle as many people as I can. <laughs> What a, what a close. Good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Maya, I, I've had a blast too. And I, I think it's awesome that you're doing this conservation work because of people like you, like my kids have, you know, alligators in the backyard. So thank right. you for that. Cool. Yeah. Um, good. I'm glad. Actually, the reason we have alligators in our backyard is because there's a, there's a swamp or marsh that has this gigantic development that they're mm -hmm. destroying their habitat. So they're moving into the lake behind uh. our house. But um, I, I really, I, I think it's awesome what you're doing. Um, and I, I share that sentiment. And I think you're, you know, I, I don't doubt for a minute that you bring real value to Twitch and that you're an awesome person. I don't think, you know, I agree with you that you're not good at math. Mm -hmm. or, I mean, you're probably still good at math. You're just not no, a math shit, savant. Shit. Okay, fine. So fine. <laughs> you suck at math. Thank you. And, and that's like, that's perfectly fine in my book. And I think the only reason that you're behind the curve is because like you're on a curve that you don't belong. Yeah. And so of course you're going to be behind. Mm -hmm. And and then somewhere along the way you started to think that you're behind on all curves because Maya is the girl who's behind on the curve. No, that's not true. It's just because you were in, on, on so many curves that weren't your curves. So. Mm -hmm. Anyway, good luck to you. And you know, let us know if we can support you in some other way or... Sometimes people have an aftermath from these conversations mm -hmm. and I'm glad you have a therapist that you can lean on because then, yeah. you know, but if you want to, you know, if you need some kind of support or something, just let us know. Cool. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome and good luck. And, All right. And thank, thank you for you. making the world a better place. Oh, you too. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Okay. So. Oh shit, I forgot meditation. Yeah, I don't I don't know. She's done EMDR, so I don't think we're gonna meditate. I think it's okay. We're gonna let her slide. I'm I just have to think. I, I don't think meditation is actually good for her right now. I think she just needs to not just process whatever she's thinking or feeling. Um Can we see the notes that you took? Okay, let me just think for a second. Let's see if we want to do, do we want to do questions? Let's do questions and then we'll do reaction. Let's do questions while things are hot. So let's start with a couple of things. One is, what is EMDR? So EMDR is essentially, it's something called eye movement, eye movement desensitization 
something. I forget what the R is. Um, and it's a technique that's heavily related to actually uh, um, meditation, actually. So I think the, the developers of EMDR, it's essentially a dharana, if you guys have heard me talk about that. But it's this thing where you move your eyes in a, in a particular way. And um, while you're moving your eyes, you explore traumatic events. And so since your attention is focused on the eye movement, it desensitizes you to some of the reactions of the traumatic events. So it's essentially a way of maintaining awareness and not getting sucked into the trauma. And then as you talk about the trauma and you kind of open that up, but like retain your anchor in the eye movement, it sort of helps you process the trauma more easily. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Ruby Light X is saying, I heard EMDR is used to help patients with trauma, PTSD, but the effect effectiveness is still questionable. Yeah, so there, there are mixed studies, right? So there's some studies that show that EMDR is effective, and there are other studies that show that it doesn't seem to be that effective which is common for a lot of things in medicine. And I think that like, you know, we think about effectiveness is like monolith, like its effectiveness is questionable. Well, that just presumes that everyone is going to benefit from the same thing. And in my experience, some things are effective for some people and some things are not effective for people. And generally speaking, you know, it takes time for medicine to tease apart those differences. So for example, we know that you know, different kinds of people will respond to different treatments for depression. For some people, psychotherapy works really well. And psychotherapy is like, for other people, stuff like behavioral activation works well. For other people, medication works well. For some people, exercise works well. So there's a heterogeneous population. So treatment, you shouldn't think about a treatment as quote unquote effective or not effective. Although there are some treatments that really don't work for anyone. Um, but you know, so I think it's fine if a treatment has mixed results. Like it just, it, to me, when you have a study that shows that something is effective and another study that shows that it isn't effective, the first question you should ask yourself is, you know, what are the perspectives of the researchers? Because sometimes bias can lead to that result. But if, if there isn't too much bias or you think that the study was done in a high quality way, it probably means that the responses are heterogeneous or especially something like EMDR, I think there's a lot of variability in the quality of people who do EMDR. Um, so it's not like standardized. It's not like a pill, right? So like a pill has a particular concentration of a substance that's made in a factory and is guaranteed for everyone who gets it. The variability between practitioners of EMDR is high, in my experience. Um, anyway, so let's do... Let's do questions and then we'll do reaction pog. Ready to go, bro. Okay. What's up? Hello? Hey. Okay. So my question is, I guess, uh, watching Maya, I saw kind of how she was like influenced by other things and people and how she grew up on, on how what she, like what she's supposed to be I guess and what she's supposed to do yep um but it seems like she was kind of able to figure herself and like figure out like what she is meant to be and stuff okay I wonder if it's not that clear to somebody what they are and 
how they're supposed to be, how they can figure that out, I guess. I don't know if that's like a good question or if it's too... That's, that, that's a fantastic question. So first, let's understand a couple of things. One is that even though Maya is moving in the right direction for her life, she still carries her demons with her. Right? right? Is that... Yeah. So I, I think that like a lot of people assume that once you figure out what you want to do in your life, that the demons go away. But the first thing that I just want to point out is that you carry your demons with you. The process of exercising your demons and then like, you know, finding out what you want to do in life is separate. Um, right. And I, and I recognize that's not your question. I just think it's an important distinction. So the question, your yes. question is like, how do you find out if you've been told that you should do something your entire life? Like, how do you figure out what you're supposed to do? Yes, because like, it might not be as simple in a way, not simple, but like specific maybe as to like how you're supposed to study a certain thing. It might be just a general thing. Like for me, it's sure. like how I'm generally supposed to be, right? So then I find myself conflicted as to like, how am are I you really nice or am I really annoying or am I really funny or am I, what am I, you know, in many different things, that kind of thing. Like, I don't know. It's just so confusing. What, what have you been taught that you should be? I guess that's like a huge response, but long story short, I guess like I was taught that I'm supposed to be respectful in any, in some ways. And like, um, I don't know. It's like a very traditional way I grew up, I guess. Sure. So there's like a lot of things with that. That has to do with behavior. It has to do with like maybe academics, like similar to Maya there where you're supposed to go to a good union, all that. But then I just end up finding myself conflicted in general as to what I... So so what's the conflict? So on the one side is be respectful, go to good because uni, and what's on the other side? That's the thing. I don't really know because in reality, I'm just, I'm just so used to following the path that I was supposed to take that like now I have different behaviors that don't go together and I don't know which one is like real and which one is not me. I don't know if well, that makes any sense. Yeah. So, so I, I think, I think that it makes a lot of sense and I think your answer is actually closer than you think it is. So okay. let's put it this way, right? So like there are some people and, and do you mind if I ask what your ethnicity is? Yeah, I'm Greek. I don't mind. Okay. So like there are some people who, you know, you've been taught that you should go to good uni, you should do this, you should do that. And then yes. there are some people like in your social circle that did those things and are completely fine with it. Yes. Right? Yes. So then you're asking, mm -hmm. how do I figure out like who's the real me? And my point is that first of all, there's a gigantic data point because you're not one of those people. Yes, I'm definitely not. I never felt like I fit in. At Perfect. All. So then it goes back to this conflict. So then the question is like, mm -hmm. so you have the real you that's actually trying to come out. And that's why you have conflict. That's why you didn't, yes. you can't be one of those people. So all you right. need to do is pay attention to where the source of that conflict is coming from. Because there's the path that you should take. And then there's the part of you that rebels against that path. So all you have to okay. do is figure out like, what is that part of you that's rebelling? Like, why do I feel like not doing this? What about this doesn't feel right to me? That makes sense. And as you explore like why you're conflicted, you're going to find your answer. So like if we think about Maya, she was told in the third grade she wanted to be in advanced math class. 
Right. And then as she went to high school, she, I'm sure there were kids who went to like technology camp or math camp or shit like that. And she mm-hmm. said, instead of doing that, that doesn't feel right to me. What I really want to do. She had, she, I'm sure she was offered to go to, you know, summer soccer camp or math camp or something like that. And then she noticed a little bit of conflict within herself that she really didn't want to do that. What she wanted to do is do conservation work. She wanted to be with animals. And then she right. listened to that voice because she, there was some kind of conflict. And I think if you just listen, if you tunnel down into why you're conflicted, you'll find out who you are. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Good luck. Thank Thanks you, for your thank question. You. Yep. Ready for the next one. Hello. Hey. Um, uh, so my question is, uh, how do you enhance one thought machine over another thought machine? For example, my, my third grade's thought machine and the other one. How, how do you what? Can you ask your question again, please? Yeah. So uh, how do you enhance one thought machine over another thought machine? Perfect. So um, that's a wonderful question. So the first is uh, you. it starts with noticing which thought machine is active. So the biggest problem is that when a thought machine is active, we don't accept, we don't recognize that those are just thoughts. We believe them. Yeah. Right? So like, like when Maya, you know, believes factually that she's not as good as other Twitch streamers. Where like, so the first thing you've got to do is recognize that one of your thought machines is going to, um, how can I say this? It's so the first thing is to recognize that it's a thought machine that's active instead of truth. Okay. And, and so do you recognize, like, do you have a particular thought machine that you're aware of? Uh, yeah, I can notice a thought machine that is uh, filled with fear, like for an, an anxiety about something. Okay. So it starts with recognizing the fear, and then there are two or three other principles. So when you're trying to figure out, when you're saying enhance one thought machine over another, let's just think about the different things you can do with a thought machine. So one is that you can prioritize one thought machine over the other. The second thing that you can do is directly shrink a thought machine. So if we look at Maya's case, what we see is that she had a breakthrough with EMDR that essentially unpowered or reduced the power to her thought machine that was like about abandonment. Did you catch that part? Yeah. And so in the same way, if you figure out where does this thought machine get its power from, where does it originate from? And if you can find the origin of the thought machine and you can figure out, Oh, like this is like, these thoughts are coming from third grade me who felt this way. And this isn't actually like true now. It's just like, thoughts that are left over from like this traumatic experience. So then you can, huh? uh, Yeah. Sorry. In my case, for example, it came from a, 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 an horror movie, which stressed me a lot. So when I watched something that could be stressful, I'm like, Oh, uh, I'm, um, I'm scared. It could stress me on the other, on the other way. I have watched like thousand movies. So I'm like, Oh no, don't worry. It will be a nice movie. etc. Yeah, so so, so that's reducing the that that's that's really good. So so that's good that you notice that. So then what you have to do is the next time you approach a movie, you need yeah. to be aware of like, okay, is this the fear from the last horror movie? 
that's left over? Or is this like a fear from now? The other thing that I worry a a little bit about is that the horror movie may not actually be the origin of it. It may have been the way, like the surface of it. Yeah. So did the horror movie relate to something else that happened to you before? Uh, um, That's possible. But it's... it's So what I... To dig in, to be sure. Absolutely. So here's the way that I would like you to explore that. So the way that you felt when you think about the horror movie that created this for you, think about the way that you felt in that horror movie and then ask yourself, have you felt that way before? And if the answer is yes, go back to and reflect about how did I feel then? Why did I feel then? Because I would be really surprised if it was created by the horror movie. Yes, I I can find the the root of the problem. Absolutely. And then as you process that root, you can see a therapist or just reflect about it or think about it. Then the thought machine will start to get powered down. And then the second thing that you can do is as those thoughts or that anxiety starts to rise, you can shift towards another one through a technique like alternate nostril breathing or something like that. You can actually like just shift and and then start to, you know, you're going to have different thoughts or conflicting thoughts, and then you can literally steer your mind. So you can ask yourself if if you say like, oh, I should watch this movie and I shouldn't watch this movie. And then notice that you have the two conflict, right? You say, oh, it's okay to watch the movie. It'll be a a great movie. And then kind of notice, okay, I'm going to choose to watch the movie and there's going to be a part of my mind that is going to be afraid. And I'm just going to watch that thing and I'm going to let it be. I'm not going to try to not be afraid. I'm going to let it be afraid. But I'm also going to try to enjoy the movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the MDR technique. Absolutely. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Good Uh, luck, man. Thanks a lot for everything you you do. Yeah, of course, man. My pleasure.